What's going on, guys? We are back with the first real episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We have a nice little host of topics for you today, but as always, with me, a man who is like goals to Erling Haaland, it's Billy. Oh, that's sweet in your own way, considering you now play for the wrong side of Manchester. Yeah, just, just a tiny little wrinkle right there. Just the smallest, the smallest. It's fine. I still love him. But like Lewis said, we have a whole host of topics for you. And we'll start in the Bundesliga, where we'll have a look at whether Bayern should really be the first game of the new Bundesliga season. Does it kill the hype around the league? We'll take a look at AB Leipzig and their two new signings after their disappointing draw on the opening weekend. And Dortmund have a new striker, and it's a bargain at €5 million. Euros. They're moving to the Premier League. You're a wizard, Graham. Brighton beat Manchester United on the opening weekend and it was a fantastic performance from the Seagulls. We'll take a look at Haaland and his two moments of brilliance in the game against West Ham and we'll have a look at how the newly promoted sides got on. The two of them doing quite well and the other not so much but let's get into it. Well you said it at the very beginning should Bayern really be playing the first match? especially when it comes like it did for Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean, they were down 5-0 in the first half, 2-0 within 10 minutes. We both said it during the match as well. It probably kills the hype around the Bundesliga a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for teams winning by ridiculous margins because, you know, it happens in every league. It happens in the Premier League, so it's not a reflection on the league. No. But the first game of a new season to have the reigning champions win 6-1 and be 5-0 up at halftime. And and a lot of the reaction was, oh, okay, well. Here we go again, yeah. Yeah, it's like that GTA meme. Like, oh, shit, here we go again. Exactly. And I mean, it's it, it also doesn't help that it wasn't just, you know, any team in the Bundesliga. We're talking about the defending Europa League champions. You know, that that's... That's no small feat. And we're not talking about a crap team here with Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, Eintracht Frankfurt, they're not a bad team. And, you know, for them to at home go down 5-0 in the first half, one just speaks to the quality that, you know, Bayern are bringing forward, even now having lost Robert Lewandowski. And two, it praising Zalihamidzic again. Yes, I know. Two episodes in a row. What is this? Twice? I know. Hell? I know. It's bad. It speaks to what Bayern have done over the summer, but it also just raises the question, you know, how much of the league is really going to feel that and 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 look at that and go, Jesus Christ, how are we supposed to stop a front four of Mane, Sane, if he, want, if he wants to throw him in, Coman, if he's not, you know, on a ban, Müller, Musiala, Gnabry, the, the list just keeps going. And it's and, and then you haven't even talked about the midfield, which, you know, you've got a Joshua Kimmich and then a Masa Zabitza, who all of a sudden is now showing why Bayern shelled out 15 million for him last uh, summer. That, and then you and then Delict wasn't even playing. It just seems a little bit like, you know, as we said, arguably Bayern should be playing last on the Sunday because otherwise the hype... You know, the, the tweets were already coming out during the first half, and it was everyone was like, I, I hope you guys all enjoyed the five minutes of actual competition in the Bundesliga. It's over now. Well, it, it sends out a message to Dortmund, to, dare I say, Leipzig, that it's you might have had good windows, but this is not going to be easy. Oh, I mean, not just not going to be easy, but the only way to the title is going to be through Bayern. Yeah, I mean, obviously they won't win 6-1 every game. No. There will be games where, you know, like the Bochum game last year where they lose or they struggle against teams. You can't be at full pelt every single week. But it's it's the squad depth that's terrifying. I mean, when you can take off Lucas Hernandez and bring on Matisse De Ligt, or you can take off Benjamin Pavard and bring on Mats Rowe, you can take off Thomas Muller and bring on Leroy Sane, you can take off Sabitzer and bring on Gravenberger. Christ. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of times we were saying, you know, I think that was like an overarching theme for seasons two and three of our podcast was the fact that, you know, Bayern squad, the first 
12, 13, maybe 14 players are up there. But, you know, after that, there's a massive drop off. And now you can, you know, quite comfortably say squad depth, one of the best, well, the best in the Bundesliga and one of the best, if not the best in Europe. It is ridiculous. It'll be interesting to see how you get on in the the Champions League. But before we yeah. move on from this one, a little bit of breaking news around Eintracht Frankfurt is that Philip Kostic is on his way to Juventus for 16 million euros, which doesn't sound like a lot. No, especially when uh, the last couple reports surrounding that transfer were that Juve were offering 10 and Frankfurt were saying, now we want 18. And I'd even argue that 18 was too little. They could probably have gotten 20 for him if they had, if they had been hard negotiators. The only problem being, you know, obviously, Philip Kostic, he wants out. And he's basically wanted out every single summer, almost, since he's gotten there. And, you know, last summer, it was so nearly Lazio Rom who got... Um, who got Philip Kostic and then it fell through at the last second, which, you know, played into Antoine Frankfurt's hands quite well because he was probably one of the instrumental players who helped the team win the Europa League that season. But, you know, it's it's going to be a loss for them, uh, in all honesty. And now they have to get quite active in the last two and a half, three weeks of the transfer window because you can't just, you know, lose Philip Kostic and say, you know what, we're going to be good, we'll... Our squad is good enough to, to you know, kind of plug that hole, really, so to speak. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for them to replace him because he is that talismanic player. In that, even in the Europa League final, he didn't look fantastic, but it's the running that he does, the effort. I mean, he was converted to a wing back. Oh yeah. You know, myself along with a lot of other people were like, why are you just hamstringing your most creative player? But not but really. Worked. Yeah. Yeah. It, I it's mean, they, weird Frankenstein monster's way. I mean, they got their first European title in 42 years. So there's that. Well, there we go. Are we going to miss Philip Kostic in the league? Let us know on Twitter and Instagram. But let's talk about another rival for Bayern because they didn't have a fantastic opening game. Drawing one all, but the uh, the big man Christopher and Kunku scored another goal. But it's not so much that game; it's what's happened afterwards. So there's a couple new arrivals in at Leipzig, Lewis. Yeah, because you know, on our transfer episode, we basically said, "Yeah, Leipzig have done well more with the players that they've retained rather than the players that they've brought in." Because you know, the most or the biggest name they got in up to this point had been David Raum. And then, you know, we said they destroyed their wage structure with uh, with Christopher Nkunku, you know, paying him double what he is, what he's getting now. Um, but, you know, you've got now coming in the prodigal son returning. Timo Werner is coming back for, as you would say, pennies on the dollar, really, because, you know, they sold him for 60 million. And now he's coming back for around 30 just under 30 29.6 million euros back to leipzig which if you're asking me is probably going to be a bargain because i would i would wager that vanna's going back to a to a team that he knows a league that he knows and most importantly you know the people around him his atmosphere is one that he's comfortable in again and also that 352 is what made him so great at Leipzig, which is why Chelsea wanted him in the first place. Now, you know, obviously for Chelsea, it's a 60 million euro mistake. But I'd say all in all, Leipzig, definitely a win-win in that deal. Yeah, it's a win-win for Leipzig. I It never really worked at Chelsea, did it? He scored 10 goals in 56 appearances in the Premier League. But it, it's not it's not that. It's the Champions League performances I want to talk about because when he signed one thing he said was that he wanted to help Chelsea to win the Champions League he kept that promise because they went undefeated in all 17 games that Timo yeah. Werner featured in 13 wins and four draws and in those 17 games he scored eight and assisted four so it's not all bad put it that way yeah it's not it's not leaving with a sour 
sour taste. I think it's more, this isn't like a Lukaku situation where they're more angry or actively pissed off with it. If I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be more sad to see him go because he didn't reach his full potential. Yeah. The only thing is, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, is that it's a completely different Leipzig setup to the one he left when he joined Chelsea. This is true. It might still be the same 3-5-2 as I just mentioned, but you no longer have that have that setup where you know you're always playing the big target man with either Alexander Solot or um Yusuf Paulson uh slotting in and then Timo Werner making the running behind. My argument against that though is that players like Dani Olmo and Christopher Nkunku and uh you know Andre Silva and and all those players, it's still a very much fluid, very fast going forward attacking style of play, which still does Timo Vanna some good. Yeah, and he'll, he'll fit back into that, no issue. Exactly. It might be a different setup, but I still think it plays to its to his strengths. Whereas at Chelsea, he was always either trying to replace someone who was like a big target man, or he was shunted out to the wings because they did not play with two strikers up top. It annoyed me because Frank Lampard had a habit of playing him off the wing which happened again under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. But Chelsea really have struggled for a genuine number nine. I mean, they've they've now got, I think, in recognised strikers, just Armando Brozier. So they probably will go back in for a, another forward. I don't know who, but... I was about to say, there, are, there isn't really anything big on the market, you know, left, if we're being honest. You know, Timo Werner scored goals for fun for Leipzig. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him back. Also a big one because we did touch on uh, in our previous episode the fact that the Bundesliga was losing so many talents. And you know now with Philip Kostic, another kind of talisman for uh, the Bundesliga as well as Frankfurt is leaving. But we're getting back a big name in Timo Werner coming back to the Bundesliga. Speaking of big names also, might not be a big name per se, but an up-and-coming big name, Benjamin Sesko, coming in also from RB Salzburg, basically feeding RB Leipzig, obviously, the Red Bull setup. It's not uncommon. It's been done before. But 24.8 million euros. You can round that up to 25 if you like. Many people have said he's the next Haaland. Your take? I said this last week. Like, Haaland is, is still the next Haaland. You know, still, you can't, compare someone to someone who's still only in his early 20s yeah it's difficult because he, he's only had like one proper season he's didn't score as many goals as Haaland but you say it's happened before it'll be the 21st direct transfer between Leipzig and Salzburg which is kind of funny because Leipzig are always you know arguing about the fact that Bayern have now in the last couple of seasons tried to poach multiple players when they do the same thing. Obviously, now that's a little bit biased for me because I realize Salzburg are, one, not even in the same league, and two, not a, obviously then not a direct title uh, rival. But still, a team that's complaining about poaching or about another team poaching top players when they do it year in, year out with Salzburg is still a little bit, a little bit ironic, at least. Yeah, there's an irony to it. But I said this to you when all the stuff about uh, Chesco going to Leipzig started coming out more and more. I expected it to happen because of the Red Bull link. But the one thing I said to you was I'm what I was more shocked by was the fact that they didn't get Karim Adeyemi or Haaland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Because if you think about it, Haaland going to Dortmund, they paid, I think 30 million for him, which at that time, Highland was already showing the world that he was way too good for Salzburg. And Salzburg probably, I mean, I th I almost say probably should have when you look at the fact that Dortmund aren't, you know, RB Leipzig in the sense that they're not basically in this, under the same corporate umbrella. The fact that Dortmund then only got him for 30 million is a bargain, in my opinion. I don't understand why Salzburg went that low. Because if you think about the fact that they're selling Sesco on to Leipzig for 
25 million, which is only 5 million less. And Haaland had achieved so much more than Sesko at that point in time. You know, they're both making the transfer at 19. That's almost seems like, you know, they've undersold or they, they got way too little for Haaland at the time. If I'm being honest. Yeah. I, you don't know what really goes on, but the fact that it's in, it's almost like an internal transfer. This is almost yeah. like a Red Bull to Alpha Tower situation in F1. Yeah, more or less. You so mean the other way around. Yeah. Lower the price, almost fudge the numbers. But it's interesting because he's not making the transfer till next year. Yeah, yeah. So they'll have Timo Werner this summer. They'll get Benjamin Sesko next summer, which would probably make the l- potential loss of Christopher Nkunku a little bit easier to take. Exactly, because as we said last episode as well, that Christopher Nkunku has got that 60 million release clause that will be activated next summer. Most likely what Leipzig have done is basically just keep Nkunku for one more season and then taking a payout. Pretty much. So that's that's all for Leipzig for now. Should we talk about Dortmund and a new striker? And I wonder if Edin Terzic has a, uh, has a flat cap he can wear in celebration. <sighs> Ooh, yeah, because, you know, before we get to the big signing that was made, we have to say against Leverkusen, Dortmund did not look in any form or fashion the lively attacking team that they did in previous seasons. You know, a 1-0 win, Royce barely scrapped, you know, the, the goal there. And if we're being honest, Kobe kept... Dortmund in it for a lot of that game. You know, he made some fantastic saves, showed why he was worth the money paid for him. And Leverkusen were unlucky not to get at least a draw out of that game. And there were definitely times where you have to say it might have even been a loss for Dortmund if they weren't lucky with Kobe. So obviously... They need a target man. They've been looking for one for a while. And now the target man is coming in form in the form of 34-year-old Anthony Modest, who for Köln scored 20 goals last season and was probably one of the big reasons why Köln are in the conference league now. So would you say he's a solid transfer or you know, Dortmund basically kind of eh, they they did what they could? A little bit of both, I'd say, but in terms of a short-term option whilst they wait for Sebastian Allaire to receive treatment. At 5 million euros, you can't really complain. Oh, definitely no. Because on on Saturday, they look good, but they missed a focal point because obviously you've got Adeyemi, Marlon, Royce. They all interchange and swap around and it's difficult to get a focal point to an attack. You put Anthony Modest in there. It's uh, something for players to hit. Royce with crosses to hit or Bellingham with long passes. There's yeah. someone to hold up play, knock it down, four runners from deep. So he might not score 20 goals for Dortmund, but it's the play that he brings adds a different dynamic that they missed against Leverkusen that they had with Haaland. And it could end up being quite fruitful. I like that that in the sense because also, you know, going back to the obviously the uh, transfer fee, you know, we we said ourselves beforehand they that Dortmund only had a budget of about 10 million left, which is why they weren't going in for someone like Memphis Depay. And all honestly, I don't think Memphis Depay is also that target man. So tactically speaking, also not a bad choice. But the thing is, I was talking to one of my friends who was who is a Dortmund fan, and he basically said, you know, it was the biggest trash that they're getting Anthony Modest because the names that were being thrown around at Dortmund to basically get a short-term replacement for Halea were names, you know, like Ikadi, Depay, or Cavani. And then in the end, it's only Anthony Modest. And he basically likened it to, you know, kind of a an attitude of let we'll just make it so that uh, so that we're somewhere behind Bayern and that'll be enough for the season you know we get Champions League and and that'll do us and basically you know he was getting angry about the fact that the attitude which we so often have said at Dortmund needs to change 
so that basically you have more of a we're going for it this season. We're going to go for go for Bayern. Um, that that still isn't really you know supported by a transfer like Anthony Modest. What would be your take on that? Yeah, okay, I get that. But again, and this isn't a dig at Dortmund, but it's living within their means. Because we've seen this before from Dortmund where they get themselves in. I'm not saying they'll, they'll do it again. This isn't a repeat of what happened in the 90s. Yeah. But Maro Icardi, Edin Dzeko, Edinson Cavani, high wages, high wages, high wages. Yeah. Memphis Depay, ridiculously high. You know, they can't afford to pay these wages. Yeah, okay, they've increased what Anthony Modeste was on at, at, at FC Kern, but he won't have been on anywhere near Cavani, Icardi, Depay. God, can you imagine if they got Luis Suarez? No. That, I mean, for one thing, I think Suarez, attitude-wise, he just doesn't fit in with a club like Dortmund. <laughs> Um, fit with the uh, the family vibe that Dortmund gives. exactly he'll probably take a chunk out of uh out of the kit man if he gets the wrong number but you know i think like like you said you know for their for their budget we said 10 million was what they probably could have spent they get him for 5 they put him on wages of 6 million which is you know it it is and we said this ahead of this episode it is basically a win 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 for everybody because for Dortmund they get a player to uh, you know who is a short-term fix for the problem that Halle is now not available as he continues his chemotherapy and he knows the Bundesliga he's played 189 matches for Hoffenheim and Köln over the last few years he's had 12 plus goals in all seasons that he played in the Bundesliga and two of those seasons, he cracked the 20-plus goals mark. You know, much like Halea, we've said it again and again, he's the target man, that focal point in uh, in the attack. And for himself, he gets his last big contract. He's 34. He's in a team that is in the position to play internationally, play at the highest level, go for titles, you know, even if that is more likely to be cups rather than the league. And, you know, for Köln, they get rid of a media problem, in all honesty, because Modest, you know, who scores 20 goals and then during preseason says openly to the media, yeah, my agent would be an idiot if you weren't surveying the market right now after the fact that I've scored 20 goals and basically gotten Köln to the Europa Conference League, which, or sorry, the UEFA Conference League, which, you know, might sound a little bit arrogant, but on the other hand, is he wrong? No, not really. Exactly. And so, you know, Stefan Baumgart uh, had to answer questions during preseason every day about Anthony Modest. It, the media did not care how Köln's preseason was going, uh, any other, you know, transfers that were being made. They only cared, does Modest get a new contract? Will he stay? His contract's running out in a year. Uh, what's the deal here? No one cared about anything else. And, you know, finally being able to get rid of that media frenzy and basically say that that whole that whole basket is just done. That whole basket of items is is gone. We don't have to worry about the whole Modest situation anymore. That is unbelievably helpful for Kern. They get some money for him, which was the last summer they could. Um, the only issue is obviously they're going to be missing 20 goals now a season, which for a team like Kern isn't that little. No, I mean, they didn't really miss him against Schalke. I mean, Schalke didn't help themselves. Oh, God, no. But I mean, but, also, VAR didn't help Schalke. So <laughs> <laughs> let's be real. It wasn't the finest hour, was it? Nah. But, you know, they can bring someone else in. There's still time. Who that is, I don't know. Whether they go lower leagues or whether they go, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I think that's... Uh, that's it for the Bundesliga for now. And let's move over to the Premier League. So you said it. The magician, Graham Potter and Brighton. They finally do what no team in the club's history has been able to do up until this past weekend. And that is win against Manchester United at Old Trafford. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take a little bit of the suspense away, which is the fact that 
Brighton scored all three goals in a 2-1 win against United. And that, for me, speaks volumes. But I mean, I'm sitting here with a United fan. So obviously, I'd love a little bit of insight into what is going through your mind. At this point, I'm beyond anger at the performance from United. Brighton, from literally from minute one, they were they pressed high, they closed down quickly. No one had any space. No one had any time. No one you couldn't. No United player could think. They didn't have any time to process what was going on. And. Yeah. It happens every single time he plays against us. But Danny Welbeck (laughs) rolled back the years and he genuinely looked incredible. So, yeah, we probably shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be as much bashing United as actually praising, you know, Brighton and what they've done. Because if you think about it, they've, they lost one of their main men from last season in Cucurella. Um, And we also have to touch really quickly on the fact that they've made 113 million pounds off of two defenders in Cucurella and Ben White, who on their day are very good, but I would never tell you that, you know, those are world-class players. So the fact that they've somehow swindled 113 million for two very good players, but nonetheless not world-class, is nothing short of brilliant, I think. It's fantastic from Brighton. And I think when Graham Potter came in, when he joined from Swansea, he was just, oh, he was the guy that beat Arsenal with Ostersons in the Europa League. Yeah. You know, he, he had done all right with Swansea, but now he's completely changed the way Brighton played because Brighton weren't in a great place when Graham Potter took over. But from top to bottom, the scouting network's fantastic there. I mean, they got Moises Caicedo for like 4.25 million. That's insane, yeah. He's still not even 20 yet, and he completely bossed that midfield. And there's all these things that come out. Obviously, it's, it's easy to, to, put, to put stories after, after the fact. But he wasn't considered by anyone at United as a potential replacement for Solskjaer, Graham Potter, because of his lack of Champions League experience. And yet he consistently batters teams in the top six I mean, yeah, okay, you can't win every game and there might be times where he gets outclassed by a manager. But, you know, he's beaten Spurs, he's beaten Chelsea, he's beaten Arsenal, he's beaten United. You know, there's a very good manager at Brighton and it will not be long before he gets the chance at a bigger club. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking, maybe maybe he might need a quick, you know, round at a, you know, I say a midfield or a mid-table club, but... I think the chance that that we see Graham Potter at a top six club in the next five years. I know it's a bold shout, but still, I'd you wager know, he I'd wager he makes a move. Constantly linked with Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. He's been linked with Arsenal a couple times. Would not shock me to see him at somewhere like Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I mean But you know, they, they had considerably less passes than United on Sunday. But the passes that United were making were sideways or backwards because of the the low block they had when United were in possession. You let exactly, them, yeah. Let I was pass around and then you close in and you counter. It was it was a perfect tactical setup. And you have to say that they weren't only playing on the counter though. They were playing attacking fluid football against United and not, you know, in Brighton, they were doing it at Old Trafford, which is not something you see a lot of, you know, smaller teams do. You know, as, as much as it, as much as United may, you know, in recent years have not been, you know, the fortress that they that they once were. I'd still wager the fact that most smaller teams they come to Old Trafford and it's still, you know, it's still Old Trafford. It's still Manchester United. This isn't just, you know, anyone. This is one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in in England. And, you know, we're we're there in their in their home stadium. We're not just going to go and attack them head on. But that's exactly what Brighton did. And they were they were rewarded with that because, you know, as I said, first win for in the history of Brighton at Old Trafford. Yeah. And the way they set up with the 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 back three. This is going to sound weird if you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's almost reminiscent 
of Sheffield United's inverted wingbacks. So they play with a back three, but then you've also got Solly March and Leandro Trossard as the wider players, both of which track back, but both do most of their work pressing high. Yeah. So you've got Adam Webster, Lewis Duncan, Yarl Veltman. Lewis Duncan and Adam Webster are two of the tallest centre-halves in the league. And yeah. Yarl Veltman is very good on his day. So any long balls, any crosses, is almost negated against Brighton. Yeah, Obviously, like there's proper, the time... mountain, mountains of men coming yeah. right there. Obviously, there's times where it doesn't work or you know, mistakes are made. Obviously, no one's perfect 100% of the time. But it works. Oh, 100%. Just before we, you know... Finish up with Brighton. There was one thing that I thought was, you know, pretty telling of the way clubs are running. I know it's a little bit of a dig, but you know, sorry, Bill, this is, this is going to happen one way or another. And it was a, it was a tweet basically that said, you know, Manchester City they win the Premier League, they get Erling Haaland, which is arguably the hottest prospect in world football. Um, Liverpool they so nearly miss out on the title you know just by a couple of points they go out and spend 100 mil on darwin nunez manchester united comes sixth barely make it into the europa league and you guys are talking about getting a 33 year old marco anatovic from bologna and you submit a bid of nine million which bologna reject because they say it's too little i, I don't really know what what you want me to say short of you know being, you know, swearing and being, you know, massively offensive. Because well, so basically, like, basically, what Arsenal fan TV made their money off of. Yes. What? Or it's literally just come up on my Twitter now that United have pulled out of the Marco Arnautovic pursuit. Oh, that is a bit of breaking news. If ever I saw one, lovely, oh, lovely. Laurie Whitwell from the Athletic. I've never loved you more. <laughs> and I can guarantee. That's got nothing to do with the fact that the Bologna president came out yesterday or this morning and said, oh, uh, by the way, he's too important to our uh, to our project. If the price is right, you sell. Oh, yeah. But the amount of fans, journalists, people that have sent emails and tweeted about it to uh, the club and to Rich Arnold and to that saying, how can you be against racism in football and then go and pursue a known racist? Yeah, yeah, full on. You know, uh, yeah, okay, he scored some goals for Stoke and West Ham in the Premier League, but it doesn't underline the fact that, that the long and short of it is, he is a, an absolute penis. Yeah. And whether he's good enough for United or not is not the issue. It's the fact that he's, you know, he's he's racist. And you can't talk about it. You can't campaign against racism saying, oh, football's everyone's game. And then go and sign someone like that. No, definitely not. And I think that's definitely good showing by United at least. <laughs> well, they, well, yeah, okay. But they, they at least listen to the fans. And you have to make that decision at some look, point. Look, the, the bitch, the, there should never have been interest in him at all. Obviously, you can go that route too, but I think you know better late than never at that point. Yeah. So yeah, Richard Arnold was inundated with complaints about Arnautovic because, of course. So let's leave this for now because it's making your piss boil. Yes. Um, not just that, but there's, there's there's more positive things to talk about. And even though he plays for Manchester City, I am full of love for a certain Norwegian striker. Hundred percent. I mean, Erling Haaland, I'm sorry, but all the critics who are like, oh, let's see him do it in the Premier League. Oh, let's see him go for it. Oh, let's see him. You know, he he missed a couple in the Community Shield. It's like, shut up. Honestly, doesn't matter which league. That man will destroy. Like, simple as. And it still gets to me when people are like, oh, just because he did it in the Bundesliga doesn't mean you can do it somewhere else. I'm sorry, but he made, like, he single-handedly got City those three points. And I swear he will make the majority of Premier League center backs look small, unworthy, 
and he'll probably get them rethinking their life choice to become a Premier League center back after he plays against them. My full opinion. And the fact that, you know, he hit the ground running immediately, scored a brace. And just as a little anecdote, he has one goal less than his dad did for Manchester City after one game. His dad made 38 appearances for the citizens. Just, just, just a little nice anecdote there for the, for the Norwegian striker for whom Billy has so much love. Sorry, are we talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer again? No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely though, as much as I hate the fact that he plays for Man City, I can't not watch him. Oh no, he's, like, he's way amazing. He, the way he moves fascinates me because he was almost stationary when the pass from Gundogan came in when he won the penalty, and he just burst past, skips past Ariola, takes gets taken down penalty the do- which he then scores which he then scores the second one from kevin de bruyne the pass is almost sexual <laughs> but it's a finish that we've seen him do about 30 40 times where he shifts yeah. his body weight opens his foot up and just sort of taps it and it bends around yeah yeah i said it in the last episode after the community shield they need to learn how to play with a genuine number nine it's only one game but it was better and also if we're talking about bundesliga attacks gundawan and de bruyne dortmund and Wolfsburg, respectively so exactly sit down but city weren't great in that game and haaland pulled them out that's and that's going to be the thing you know you said it yourself city already boasts so many great players and even when some of those great players don't work, Erling Haaland still comes in and they, they still have an Erling Haaland to bring in and they have an Erling Haaland on the pitch who can make that difference. And the difference he made on the opening day, unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> Last thing before we move on to the uh, newly promoted teams, can we... No one at the Premier League or Manchester City, no one media trained that man. No, please, no. I love that post-match interview. <laughs> Leave him as he is because it's fantastic. It's like, oh, uh, you run a, a hat-trick today. How do you feel about being taken off? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's a bit of shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. No one no one changed. No one changed Ellingham because he was like, at the beginning, he... He barely spoke two words in Bundesliga post-match interviews. And now he basically goes like, oh, yeah, bit shit that I didn't get the hat trick. But, you know, oh, well. I was like, no, please, just have a, have someone from Sky or BT or whoever just always there to be like, oh, Erling, you can't say that. And he'll be like, oh, shit, sorry. Oh, fuck. Oh, damn. <laughs> it's going to be grim when you play against them, but... Just enjoy, enjoy it. Well, just enjoy it. Yeah, he's just a joy to watch. I mean, we know him from the Bundesliga, but now, I mean, it's it's a role reversal. I've had to endure him score goals against my team. Now you have to do it. How the turntables? Exactly. So let's quickly finish with the newly promoted sides because there was a bit of a mixed bag from the newly promoted sides, and we'll start with Scott Parker's Bournemouth because. Especially some of the business that Aston Villa have done. You know, they've brought in uh, Diego Carlos. They've got yeah, yeah. Coutinho on a free. They've got Bubakar Kamara on a free transfer. Sorry, they paid for Coutinho. They've got Kamara on a free transfer. It's a good team, Villa. Yeah, and, and, they've, and they also have a good manager in Steven Gerrard. We'll come to that in a minute because I've, nah. I've got some opinions. Opening day... The Vitality Stadium, Bournemouth 2, Aston Villa 0, and it was fully deserved. It, this wasn't a smash and grab, we'll get one early on, we'll get one late on, and just defend in the middle. No, no. They were good, good stock for that for that lead. Yeah, and they were they did it over, arguably, the whole 90 minutes. And Aston Villa just did not look like a team 
that you know coming there and saying you know oh this is a newly promoted team we got it we have to we have to smash them this should be a comfortable two three nil win and you know we'll put them in their place no Bournemouth showed up and gave twelve thousand fans something to cheer about and it was fully deserved as you said you know like Aston Villa had no clear-cut chances and when you're playing Danny Ings Philip Coutinho Ollie Watkins. It's two stars studded to, you know, be producing that little. And it's not like it's too different from last year because, you know, Coutinho played the second half of last season. Danny Ings has been there. Ollie Watkins, Leon Bailey. Yeah. Oh, Leon Bailey, another Bundesliga product. Leverkusen icon. Trust. But, you know, Bournemouth, they are that typical yo-yo club. Bournemouth, Norwich, Fulham. They are that yo-yo team. You know, they come up, they do really well in the championship. They come up, they get battered, they go down. Do well in the championship. And do Scott school. Parker's complained about the lack of transfers and things like that. But since that game, they've signed Neto, the goalkeeper from Barcelona. Which is uh, also not bad, you know. Which is not a bad move at all. And they've also signed a centre-back from Feyenoord an Argentinian centre-back, Sensi, which gives them more cover, because that was one of the positions that he complained he didn't have enough cover at, was at centre-back. Yeah. So they win, they've strengthened. All in all, a good first weekend for them. <laughs> they've got Man City next week, so let's not get ahead of ourselves, but that's a game against Manchester City. I don't think you can take anything from that. Exactly. I was about to, I mean, they, they're winning against teams who arguably should be winning against them, now all they have to do is actually win against the teams that they should be winning against. You know, we're talking your Fulham's and your your, your Nottingham Forests, and maybe even you know your Everton's, if if we're being honest. But it, exactly, like it is just it is a good display. They've shown they can they can come out swinging, and they've shown what they're about. Um, I'd argue another team that did that is Fulham. Oh, massively. That was another one. It was it was the early kickoff. It was the lunchtime game on Saturday afternoon. So, okay, we'll sit back. We'll watch Liverpool put six past Fulham. You know, my Super 6 prediction for this game is 5-0 Liverpool. <laughs> oh, how wrong could I be? I was about to say. Because, again, if there's one thing I've learned doing this and partaking in Super 6 is that I don't know football very well. Because <laughs> I never get anything right. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not any better than that. I don't think anyone apart from probably the man himself, predicted how good Mitrovic would have been. No. That was also one where we were all we were all thinking, you know, mm, Mitrovic, how good or how much good can he possibly do for Fulham? Like, let's be real. Is he, is he all that? And now he's just shown he is all that. But one thing I really want to get into you with is the VAR slash penalty debate that came from the penalty Van Dyke versus Mitrovic. Because in my opinion, it is a very soft penalty to be giving. Mitrovic does kind of take off like a freaking 747. But my argument to that is Van Dyke's nowhere near the ball. He sticks a leg out, makes contact with his knee. Contact, high, a lot of contact or, or little contact. If a defender makes contact with a striker's knee, they're going to go down. And it wasn't the first time he'd got past Van Dyke either, because he did it earlier in the game, where he dribbled past Van Dyke. Yeah, Van Dyke did look. One thing I will definitely give you is Van Dyke did not look to be the hardcore center back that you know we all know, and you know the the one that terrifies Premier League strikers usually. And I think who was it? Who was it that said it for Opta Sport as well? I think it was. Um, that's the one. He said, yeah, he said it was just a very, so it's almost like a sloppy little bit of play. Like he kind of dangles his leg out and it's not very Van Dyke-esque, if you will. No, it was, I don't want to say it was lazy, it was clumsy, because he, he basically makes up Mitrovic's mind for him. Yeah. If you're going to stick a leg out and be that far away from the ball, you're making the striker's mind up that, okay, well, I'm going to go down, I'm going to make contact and go over. Which is what gets me a little bit is because I think he could, I think to give that penalty is still soft, 
but in all honesty, you can't argue either way. If he hadn't given the penalty, there would have been so many people who would have said, yeah, okay, would have been a soft penalty to give. If he gives the penalty, you can still argue there was contact there. So for me, I'll amend it and say it's a 50-50 decision, but I still think, as I said, Mitrovic does gladly take the opportunity given to him by Van Dijk. Yeah, but you're not going to turn that down. Like people... People say yeah, so many times. Turn that down, but there's there's a there's a difference between not turning the contact down and making literally seeing that he's about to dangle his leg out and saying, "Oh, do you know what? I'm gonna run into that," and then literally still barely touch him, and then, yeah. But people say people say all the time in punditry and commentary, "Oh, if he goes down there, that's a penalty." You know, the defenders made contact. If he goes down there, that's a penalty. It's it's an it's a high IQ move from Mitrovic. It's clumsy from Van Dyke. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but when he decide when he decides to stick his leg out to try and win the ball, he's nowhere near it. He makes up his his mind for it. Fine, you have me convinced. And but the I'm way still, that Fulham played in that game, anything less than a draw would have been an absolute war crime. Yes, that. But that aside, I still think it's one of those fifty fifty things where if you. If he hadn't given it, there would have been the same amount of controversy as if he as if he had, in my opinion. Yeah, it's one of those ones. If he gives it, people are going to complain. If he doesn't give it, people are going to complain. But let us know on Twitter and Instagram what you think. Was it a penalty? And before we end up, you know, having to go to marriage counselling. Yeah, a little bit. Let's talk about Nottingham Forest because they, it was almost like a <laughs> welcome to the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Newcastle didn't finish with more goals is actually a little bit of a travesty, you know? And I think it's sad to see Dean Henderson's quality wasted at a club like uh, Nottingham Forest. Yes, he's going to get a bunch of shots to save. And, you know, if Newcastle was anything to go by, you know, this is Newcastle. This is a mid-table club. And last year, even fighting against relegation. And... Nottingham Forest, they were seventh in the list of highest transfer uh, activity this season in Europe's top five leagues. They were among, you know, the big teams like Bayern, Barca, City. They spent over a hundred million. And two of those signings from the Bundesliga in Taiwo Aboni and uh, Oral Mangala, they were only sitting on the bench. And they offered up so little, so little against Newcastle. I mean, we said it in the transfer episode, if they're spending hundred over 100 mil and they're not going to produce something, that's a little bit, I mean, that's it's, definitely not enough. It's not enough. And it's quite, it's quite, obviously, you know, first game of the season, some players are still adjusting and adapting, but yeah, but so they, well last year, Forrest, under Steve yeah. Cooper, they did so well. But they didn't have, literally, they didn't. Nick Pope had the easiest debut for a goalkeeper. He had no shots on target at all. Yeah, it didn't look at any point from minute one to minute 90 that Nottingham Forest were going to actually try and take the game to Newcastle and try and win it. It looked like it was basically, yeah, okay, Newcastle, probably going to win it. We'll have to deal with that. You know, it's it's a similar situation for Dean Henderson, like his loan at Sheffield United. You wanted the exposure, Dino. You're going to get it with, with teams like this. Yeah, but I still think it's wasted at a club who, you know, most likely will go down. That's a bold shout. But even though we both said... That you know, in last in our last episode, that they weren't going to because we said you know a hundred million, they should be they they shouldn't be going down. But after that performance, I know you know we might be jumping the gun here because it's one performance, but that looked so shockingly little for a team that did so well in the championship last year and that were really spending some money this season. I mean, this transfer window, I think, you know. If that's anything to go by, Jesus Christ. It's difficult, but I, I, I want to move away from Forest. I want to talk more Newcastle because you said they're a, a mid-table, almost like a nothing team. But 
but they've now got this aspiration. They've got new owners. They've got a new manager. You know, they've just given Eddie Howe a new long-term deal. Yeah. yeah. And the last time they gave a manager a long-term deal, it was Alan Pardew, and it didn't go very well. I'll bet. But they look good. I mean, if I told you when Joe Linton left Hoffenheim that he would be reinvented as a almost a powerhouse midfielder, you'd have punched me in the face. Oh yeah, he was ne- he was bought. I mean, the reason they spent forty million on him was because he was a solid striker for Hoffenheim. But it's happened, and he's fantastic now. Yeah, I just I just want to mention one thing before we do wrap up. Fabian Scher scored <laughs> a goal from 25, 30 yards. The rocket from Switzerland scored an identical goal in twenty nineteen against Burnley literally identical. You could play them side by side, and if you didn't know, you'd struggle to tell me which one was 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 which. Yeah, I mean, you gotta love a defender who every couple of seasons just brings out the same boot and just, you know, has a whack at it. It's up there with the goals from, uh, you know, goals like, uh, you know, it's up there with the with the goals like, you know, company versus Leicester, where everyone's like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Best part about that was the the interview afterwards where he was like, and he was like, and and I was hearing people don't you, and I was like, hold on a minute. I haven't come all this way for some young kid to tell me when to shoot and when not to shoot. I was like, oh yeah, go on. Go on, Vincent. Go on. My favorite image around that is the bloke during the celebrations that's coming back up from the uh, concourse. Yeah. Mate imagine oh. being at that game missing that goal oh unreal depressing but yeah well there we go let us know will the newly promoted teams stay up this season in the premier league well i think that's all the time we have for this week and as always don't forget to like share and subscribe to 80 sports news on facebook twitter and instagram we are bringing you daily news updates from everything that revolves around the transfer window as well as new rumors and of course when the deals are official done and dusted and also make sure to head over and check out the 50 plus one football podcast on google podcasts apple podcasts and spotify and have a look at our previous three seasons for all the laughs and make sure you get the insiders that we sometimes do mention here and Thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.